Hey guys, it's Gabby and Allison. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that we recorded this episode before the murder of George Floyd and the BLM protests across the nation. Oh yeah, so a lot of what we talk about in terms of stress with uh, Dr. Sinha has to do with the stress of quarantine and the stress of COVID. However, as I was listening back to it, I was like, oh my God, there's so much more <laughs> stress. Um, I'm sure the like protesters and activists and um, everyone who gives a shit about Black Lives is uh, very stressed out. Um, again, this is still going on and we're really, I'm excited personally for the, the more mainstreaming push of uh, defunding uh, and abolishing the police. Uh, I think it's a really cool moment right now. Also, I want to say it's June 12th. They have not arrested the police that murdered Breonna Taylor. Uh, so that's forefront of my mind. I wish they would arrest them. And so we just wanted to give context of um, hopefully those of you who are protesting are also taking care of yourselves. Um, in Los Angeles specifically, there is the People's Budget LA, which you can find at peoplesbudgetla.com. And uh, we did an episode about it on Bad With Money, my other show. Uh, but it's basically a redirection of the funds that the mayor has uh, allocated uh, 50% of the city budget to the police, which is lunacy. Um, so you can check that out as well. There's also um, I will put a bunch of links in the in the show notes um, to other places that you can donate and other uh, things that you should you should read um, in terms of like if you have questions like but but what will we do without police or you know various other how do we call in and get justice for Breonna Taylor um, you know just general questions that you may have right now. And we just wanted to acknowledge that all of the stuff with stress that we talk about with the doctor, you can still apply and that we hope that you're self-soothing and taking the time to mm -hmm. recharge and take care of yourself and that we are 100% with BLM and hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I hope these stress tips um, help any uh, people out there that are, are protesting or just any uh, black people right now that are having... Like, tr obviously, like trauma responses to what's going on. So, you know, hopefully it applies and, and is slightly helpful. But again, reiterating, Black Lives Matter. We are uh, we are on your side and um, we're going to put a bunch of links in the show notes for everybody that will hopefully also be helpful. OK, enjoy the show. Just between us. Hey! Just between us. Hey! I'm a writer, director, and feminist. Oh, hey, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and, um, you know, getting really into showering. Tell me more. Well, I, I didn't relate to the people that were like, oh, we're in quarantine and we're not showering every day because I feel like that was like giving me something to do. But then mm. the last few days, couldn't bring myself to do it. But then I, I just I just did it. But like... I understand now the people that couldn't bring themselves to, to do it. I, I, that was never part of my depression. Like, I have depression, but it was never like the no showering kind of depression. Mm -hmm. And now I've reached, I get it. <laughs> but you just said that you love showering. I know. But like when the last like five days, I like didn't feel well. And I was like, no, I don't even deserve to shower. But then I, I got out of it today. But. I've never been a dip like are you when you're depressed do you not want to shower a lot of times I don't want to shower and then I have to make myself but lately I've been doing this thing where when I need to think about something like I don't know how to describe myself on this podcast or what to title sure. chapters in a, a book I I go well I'll just think about that when I'm in the shower oh that's interesting I like schedule thoughts for the shower <laughs> I do that to go to bed like I'll do thoughts while I'm sleeping, I'll think of things. But do you plan to think of it then? Yeah, I'll be like, okay, well, I'm not going to come up with a good answer for what needs to happen next in this script. But when I'm about to fall asleep is when it'll hit me. Then I, I go through the thing where I go, ooh, do I get up and write that down? Or do I chance remembering it in the morning? It's a 50-50. I recommend switching to, the, to shower thoughts. Okay, I'll do that. This is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice ridiculous games and brutal honesty i'm sorry you've been having a tough time 
yeah, I can't sleep, which we've talked about, I think, a hundred times on this show. So then you feel bad the whole day? Oh, yeah, baby. Have you tried reading before bed like we talked about? Yeah, a little bit. But um, my eyes are, are they want to play video games. <laughs> and, and that's the problem. <laughs> it's not me, Allison. My eyes want to play video games. Okay, we've got a great <laughs> episode for you guys this week. Uh, we're going to be talking to Dr. Rahita Sinha, director of the Yale Stress Center. Wow, relevant. <laughs> and later, we'll be discussing loneliness. Oh, wow. You know what? If you come to this show to escape, let me tell you, we won't allow it. <laughs> we're just trying to be relatable. Uh, okay. But first, hit it. International question. International question. International question. Lindsay, Arizona. I love Arizona. Lindsay says, how do I stop fixating on someone I know doesn't like me and give other people a chance? I was talking to this girl for about a month back in August. We went on a few dates and she really led me on. One night she drove me around for hours after dinner and said she wanted to take me out again, but she never texted me back. I feel so dumb because I still think about her a lot, but I probably don't even really like her, just the idea of her. I don't know what my problem is because I usually never like people. I was picky before, but now it's even worse. Now I'm the person ghosting people. I'm a lesbian, so I really can't afford to be doing this. I feel like I've pissed off every gay girl at my school. I also just feel really stupid. It's been so long. It wasn't even a thing. What is my problem? Um. Well, that's interesting that you don't understand why you were ghosted when you've become the ghoster. Ah, the ghosted becomes the ghosty. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, you you don't know what's going on for someone else. You really don't. Like, you don't know what was going on for her. It could have been literally anything. Like, it doesn't have to do with you. It's not like this person rejected you. Because I think sometimes we fixate on the people who have rejected us. Because we're like, why did you reject me? What is it about me you did not like? Well, now that you rejected me, I want you even more. And it like oftentimes had nothing to do with you. Like you're like, I'm sure the people that you're ghosting are like, what did I do? And like could not even begin to guess. Like in their top five guesses would not be what you're telling us right now. I wonder if it's a self-esteem issue um, subconsciously where you think that you're not good enough for this girl, but then every person who likes you isn't good enough for you. Yes. You know, where yes. anyone worthwhile wouldn't want to be with you. Yes, uh, that is very relatable. That thing where uh, anyone who likes uh, you like more than they like you is good. And mm -hmm. anyone who likes you more than you like them is like, what's wrong with them? That's pathetic. Why do they like me so much? I'm garbage. Even if, Which, they, like, like, you, even if they like you at all, like just a normal <sighs> amount the way you would like somebody starting out. You're like, yeah. oh, I don't want to be part of any club that would have me as a member. Yeah. And it's easier to fixate on this thing that's never going to happen and never did happen and romanticize it than it is to like actually deal with the complexities and ups and downs of a real relationship where like if you romanticize someone that you were never with or could never get, um, then you never have to deal with their side of the conversation. You never have to deal with their quirks. You never have to deal with them wanting to fight. You never have to deal with anything. Whereas like if you're in an actual relationship, you love the person and, and like you have like the obviously like, you know, hopefully the huge romantic starting out feelings and stuff. And but like on the day to day, sometimes they're going to annoy you. And the person that you never have to spend time with, you could just fantasize about, you're like, oh, they never annoy me. They're wonderful. They're perfect. But it's like, if you were actually dating them, they would have to be a real person to you. And that's scary. And maybe with this one girl, you got to have this like amazing time with her on your first date with her. Mm -hmm. But maybe you'll have an amazing time with someone else on your fourth date with them. You yes. know, so you, you have to give it time just because you don't initially have that rush the way you had with that other girl doesn't mean you won't eventually have that rush with someone else. It might just take a little bit more time. My partner said something really interesting to me, which was that um, they were like, oh, how come I didn't have like when I first met you, I didn't have like a, that like rush of like having a crush on you, which I had towards them. And they were like, I realized that 
my like whenever I liked someone and I had that rush right away, it it wasn't romance or love. It was anxiety. Mm. It was that my like when I had like an amazing first date with someone because they were like chaotic and horrible and like all these or just like that they were so over the top or whatever. Uh, Mal was like what I was feeling was like anxiety or like I have to keep chasing this I have to keep this feeling going it's a high I have to keep chasing this uh, and that was and they had to realize that like that wasn't actually um, indicative of like a positive romantic relationship or love or like oh my god this person is perfect what it meant was you you have the feeling that they are go that they are unattainable and so to that you want to chase that more and more versus like, like they, it was very sweet. They were like, uh, uh, the longevity of our relationship having gone a year, Mal was like, oh, this is what love is. Like they, they had no concept of it because they didn't have any concept of it without anxiety attached. I also think that it, it might be an aspect of your age where mm-hmm. I think when you're younger, the idea of of winning and of like getting somebody and convincing them to be with you is like so exciting. And um, there's this addictiveness to someone giving you attention, taking it away, giving attention, taking it away. Mm -hmm. But when you get older, I found that like when someone didn't like me, that was a turnoff for me. Exactly. Like something switched where I suddenly was like, oh, this guy doesn't like me or prioritize me gross (laughs) yes absolutely where you're like oh if you don't it's confidence like if you don't think I'm amazing then you suck exactly and it's also the confidence of this person recognizes that I'm amazing therefore they're cool yes not oh Uh they have bad taste it's Mm -hmm. like oh they're smart they see something in me so that's the way you kind of have to start to think about it like you're probably awesome so if somebody likes you that means that they have good taste And so you should give them a chance. And also, I don't think that this girl is the problem. You being picky or you uh, feeling like you're not connecting with people. Like, I don't know why you're maybe like blaming this girl or seeing it as something that happened with this girl is your way of not actually confronting your own issue or what's going on with you by putting it onto someone else. There's uh, something going on with you. Where you're going on these dates and you're not feeling fulfilled. There's also very much a chance that like you just haven't met uh, someone who's worth dating. Like somebody that you click with. Yeah, Yeah, like I I think that you're young. You're in college. If you're saying that like you've already made your way through all of the queer women in your school, like there's probably not that many. Uh, Also, to be fair, you're having a very um, realistic queer experience, which is you'd kind of just date all the queers and then figure out which one is for you. And it's a lot of trial and error. Like I have like, there's people that I've been like, Oh, maybe we're attracted to each other. Oh, we're not. Okay. Like you kind of, it's a very relatable thing to sort of have like a moment with almost everyone and then be like, no, no. And like maintain like the community and friendship. So like, it is it is this weird thing where it's a game of trying to put puzzle pieces together because the community, let's say, is like 30 people and everyone's just trying to figure out like where they tetris fit in with each other. But you have to think about it like in the way of like a reality show, like let's say Bachelor of Paradise. Like it almost is. But, it, <laughs> but, but what are the real chances that of 20 people, someone mm-hmm. that's right for you is going to be there? Exactly. You know, like you, exactly. you're going to have to meet so many more people. You're going to have to widen your world so much. Like I, mm-hmm. I, if you're if you're picky because you haven't found a girlfriend out of 30 people, that's not picky. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, yeah, if, I think reframe that in your mind instead of because I think if you attach yourself to the idea that you are picky, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. But if instead you're like, oh, I just haven't met the right person yet. I need to keep exploring and I'm going to meet more and more people the older I get then you're going to be more open to things. I don't understand the the use of the negative connotation of picky for someone dating. Like people always say that, oh, you're too picky or like, oh, I'm just really picky. But like, what? You just want to like the person you're with? Like, what are you saying when you say that you're picky? You know what I mean? Like, I don't I think truly... it's a, I think there's there's valid pickiness and then there's shallow pickiness. Where yeah, like... but if someone's shallow, Godspeed. 
let him be shallow. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's not like I, if two vain people find each other, mwah, I love that for you. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm not particularly picky, which sounds bad, but I think I've gotten pickier over the years. It's funny because I really like after my ex-girlfriend la- last year, I was like, I'm never, I was like, I'm never going to date again. And I fixated on Mal and was like, if Mal doesn't want to date me, then I'm going to never date again, which is insane. And luckily Mal wanted to date me. But I was think I think about like, what if Mal was like, no, thank you. What would I have done? You would have like moped for another month or two and then started dating someone else. Some terrible man, probably. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, you're going to be fine. Your person maybe just isn't in your direct circle right now. And that's fine. And also, it's a benefit when someone likes you. It's it's not a flaw of their character. Yes. <laughs> so try to remember that. And stop ghosting people. Write back yes. and say, if you don't like someone be like sorry it's not working out you have to you have to at least say why and it sucks and it's weird but you have to you having had your heart hurt doesn't mean that you get to hurt other people absolutely why and and why did this girl do that to you you don't know her history maybe she was dealing with an ex like you just you just gotta be like hey i'm not feeling it at least that otherwise Mm -hmm. Because the queer community is small and we will find out. (laughs) (laughs) But not that small. Eventually you will find someone, we promise. But uh, we will all know if you're a ghoster. Yeah, so don't be a ghoster. All of us. (laughs) Anyone worth dating wouldn't want to date a ghoster. Truly. Hopefully that helped. If you want to submit your international question and get yelled at, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. We've got a juicy interview coming up next with our highly esteemed guest, Dr. Sinha. Stay tuned. Just between us, it's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week on the show, we have Dr. Regina Sinha, who's the director of the Yale Stress Center. Hello. Welcome to Just Between Us. Hi. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So I didn't even know there was such a thing as a stress center, but it feels like it's good those exist. Yes. And especially at this time, but even generally... There's a lot of stress out there in the world, and um, we do a lot of research and um, help with prevention and information, um, and there's a lot of interest in, in this topic. Can you talk a little bit about what stress does to your body when unchecked? Sure. So we have a biological system in our bodies, all animals that have that, um, which is uh, to really deal with the environment and deal with any challenge that is coming up for us in the world uh, around us day to day. Um, All, all, as I said, all animals have that. And um, it's actually a good thing. You might think that being really stressed out is, is not helpful, but, but it's a good thing in the sense that it keeps us um, thriving in the world, uh, helps us figure out how to, respond to challenges, um, how to save ourselves in bad situations, responding quickly, uh, thinking through things. Um, And to do that, uh, the body has to mobilize for action. And and in that mobilization, there's a biological response. So when you find your heart beats faster or you start to tense up or your stomach clenches, um, all of those things are part of a body's response to stress, telling us, signaling to us that something is not okay. And of course, the mind gets going as well. And so you start to have thoughts about, um, what am I going to do? This doesn't seem right. Um, there are some things in the, in the environment or around you that are looking um, difficult or suspicious. Uh, you might have feelings of uh, fear or anxiety or panic, or anger that may come up, um, and and then you start to have um, an urge to run, or save yourself, or scream for help. You start to go ahead and act. So we respond in these different domains, you know, in our thoughts, through our thoughts, through our feelings, through the sensations in our bodies, and through uh, our actions uh, to respond to stress. 
Uh, some people deal with stress like they have physical reactions to it. I'm one of those people where um, I can sort of try to mentally ignore it, but eventually like I'll start to have stomach aches or hair will start to fall out. Um, can you explain like the connection between like the mental and then how it manifests like in your body physically, even if you're like, no, I'm not stressed out. Yeah, sure. So when I gave the the general um, description of stress, that was much more of something acute that was happening to us. Uh, by acute, I mean something that just comes up suddenly in the moment or you know it's going to come up and it's time limited. Um, and that's the kind of stress that actually is important for us in terms of mobilizing for action and for learning from it. The kind of stress that you're talking about that we feel in our bodies, sometimes we try to ignore it and not deal with it uh, mentally, but then it gets expressed in our body. Very often, that kind of stress is really one where um, it, what we call chronic stress or it's relentless. It, it keeps on going. There's also usually an uncontrollability or unpredictability, uncertainty about it. Um, and those features make it much more um, increased in intensity because, um, you know, you can't take care of it. You can't figure out what to do about it so easily. And then um, avoidance or just distracting yourself is, is one of the ways that, that people may cope with it. Um, but your body may still be worried. Your body may still be reacting to it in an ongoing way. And, and so over time, you might start to have physical symptoms, whether you think it's your, you know, if you're someone where your hair starts to fall out for somebody else, they might have, um, you know, exacerbation of some skin symptoms. Um, for someone else, it may be their uh, chronic pain comes back. Uh, others uh, find that they, uh, they have sleep disturbances. So these are all expressions that can happen as a function of, of ongoing stress. And one of the things we are facing right now is, is what I call uncontrollable stress because we really don't have control over the situation right now with, with the COVID virus. And um, who will get it, how, how we will respond if we get it, all of those kinds of things may be worries and fears that are natural at this time, uh, but it's also relentless and, and kind of chronic. And so it's a situation that, that um, really lends itself to the kind of thing you're talking about, which is, um, you know, these symptoms may come up. What advice do you have to, to combat this stress that everyone is under right now during quarantine? So that is a really good question. There are lots of different ways that, uh, that people are coping with stress and lots of different ways to think about uh, how best to cope. Now, coping with with any kind of stress is very individual. Um, we are all different in, in the ways that we are wired to cope or habituated to cope, things that we like to do when we are stressed out, just like you described yourself. You try to avoid it, and then you, you know other things may happen in your, in your body to signal that your body is still stressed. Um, some of the things that, that could help that are, that are more straightforward that I think um, people are talking about are things like building a routine um, for yourself during the day, uh, maintaining. So these are the, the relatively more straightforward things, maintaining a healthy lifestyle. So being able to go out, um, getting some fresh air, getting exercise, um, eating healthy, drinking plenty of water and fluids, making sure you follow a, your a sleep routine so that your sleep hygiene is good. Um, and also around quarantining or social distancing, the really important piece is uh, keeping up with your social network, with your family and friends, obviously remotely because of social distancing, but that's really important. Humans are social animals. We really want to stay connected with people and with our uh, loved ones or with friends. And so it's really important to um, still stay uh, connected for those who are who are feeling more alone or feel like they're alone around at this time because loneliness is a big thing at at this time when uh, when um, you don't have work or you don't have the ability to go outside um, to interact with others. Uh, it's important to lean in and and reach into other web based uh, events and things that are happening that are uh, helping people think about uh, how they can contribute. 
Um, so staying connected with your social network and with the community is really important as well. How come some people have such severe reactions to stress and other people don't? Is it like childhood? Is it is it something to do with um, like genetics? Yeah, that's a really good question. So because we have a very robust stress biology so that we can respond to stressors both in the environment with our behaviors, but so that our bodies can respond to stress too. Like the immune system has to respond so that we can fight illness and infection um, and, and lots of other physiological things go on for which the stress biology is important. And I mentioned that because you're absolutely right. The genes are really uh, playing a role in terms of uh, uh, contributing to the individual differences, meaning how each of us are different in the way that we respond to stress uh, as well as uh, how we feel it. Um, so the reaction and the response are both um, influenced by our genes. But more importantly, uh, in, in stress research, what has been found is that these genes are learning based on our environment. So based on how we um, grow up, the kinds of experiences we have, the kinds of responses we may have uh, in our bodies as well as to our minds and behaviors, the genes by learning, I mean, they tend to get shaped by, in terms of turning on and off what we call epigenetics. So how they how these re genes respond is, is almost trained by our experiences and our environment. What is some of the most interesting findings you've found during your research at the center about stress? So some of the findings that we have uh, have to do with um, some questions you're asking, uh, which is why are some people more reactive versus uh, others? Um, one thing we have found is that your history of uh, stressful experiences does have um, a pretty significant impact on uh, how we respond as um, both as children and as adults. So a lot of negative life events or traumatic experiences can influence how our brains respond to stress. Um, what we found is that we can be more sensitive to stress as a function of our trauma history and as a function of uh, the cumulative life events that we've had. Um, so the negative uh, effects of uh, multiple uh, stressors and traumas are that uh, it actually impacts our brains. It, it changes the amount of um, cell power, the brain cell power we may have to respond to stresses. And, and that is really important. Um, the other piece, of, the other side of that is that there is also things that we uh, tend to do when we get stressed out, coping behaviors. And what we have found is that some people are more vulnerable to certain kinds of coping, uh, whether they, whether you become um, somebody that is a, um, you know, avid exerciser or someone who uh, drinks and can drink alcohol um, and, and consume a lot more, maybe b go on binges. Um, do uh, taking other drugs or or, or um, some thoughts about what kinds of other behaviors that people may engage in, like like um, like gambling and and uh, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, eat, we've done some work on stress-related eating and emotional eating, and who is most susceptible to that, and what kind of um, um, weight-related changes that may influence stress eating. What we found is that those who have higher weights may, in fact, be more susceptible to stress-related eating than people who are much more lean. Um, stress has an effect in exacerbating people's physiologic symptoms, like you were saying about hair falling out. But this is also true for those who have chronic pain or an acute um, uh, 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 liver disease, um, other kinds of uh, GI illnesses are exacerbated by stress. And then the work, what we, uh, other work we are doing has to do with, well, what can curb this? It, can the brain's changes, these, these nerve cell, brain cell power, can that actually come back uh, if we notice our uh, stressors and we begin to do things um, that are stress buffering? 
um, like mindfulness training, for example, or yoga classes or therapy, does that, or even some certain types of medications, does that actually help us uh, become better cobras? Does it reverse the effects of uh, the negative effects of stress? And what we found is that, in fact, it does. The brain is very dynamic. And this is where there's very new, exciting research in neuroscience that um, the brain is dynamic and flexible. And just as it takes in the negative effects of stress, the positive things that we can do in life and the therapeutic things can actually help turn that around, particularly if it doesn't get really um, chronically set in, in the sense that it doesn't, um, it hasn't gone on for years and years and it uh, stress doesn't get embodied within us, so to speak. Um, and so we found that, in fact, you can turn things around. And that's very exciting because, as, as you know, and as we are seeing, there's just a lot of stress and trauma in the world today. I think it's so encouraging that you can kind of redo your body's response to stress because I, I remember learning about how, right, like if you have a lot of stress early in life, your body is then like so worn down by it that like the smallest stressor will like ignite a full response. But you're saying that you can kind of rewire yourself through these mindfulness techniques and therapy and, and things like and coping mechanisms so that your body will not respond like that in the future. That's exactly right. Um, and, and that's the research that is new and still developing. But it's very, all the early studies and indications are that, in fact, there are these changes that can, uh, that, um, can happen as a function of these interventions. Uh, how long they last and whether they're sustainable is really important. But if we just think about lifestyle changes, if you do make a, li a lifestyle cha change, as you continue with it, and continue to practice it, you, we all can feel the effects of that. And then if a big major stressor on uncontrollable one comes through, um, you, you know, for example, if you lose somebody who's very close to you or a loved one, um, that can really throw us for a loop. And one of the first things that goes is that the practices we set up, the positive things that you're doing in your, in your life sometimes go out the window because stresses just come back in its full force at uncontrollability. And so for some time, then you're hit by that. And it really takes conscious um, effort to go back to saying, wait a second, when I had that positive routine, when I had those other things built in, I was doing better and to, re, re, to go back to that. And I think those are all indications that, in fact, our body is flexible and it gets hit, but then you can come out of it as well. If we reduced like all the stress and like the idea is that nobody would be unnecessarily stressed ever again and like a reduction of stress would, how would that affect, you know, the world or, or what would be the benefit of that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think about that quite a bit because a lot of times in uh, thinking about recommendations, people will say to me, well, we all just need to be calm. We all, if we could get rid of all of this, we all need to be relaxed and just completely calm. And, you know, a lot of us are not like that. We like to be pumped up and aroused. We like to be really, uh, you know, thinking, thinking fast or being energetic and feeling, feeling the stress. So my advice is often that, that it's not that you want to get rid of all of the stress and be completely calm all the time because then, in fact, we need the same stress system to help us learn and mobilize and grow and develop our minds and our, our reactions. Um, and so what we want is really mild to moderate levels of stress that are controllable. So we get challenged and we can learn uh, from that challenge and we can uh, learn solutions. We can um, interact with each other and come up with new ideas and that's stimulating and energizing and all of those kinds of contexts are very important for brain growth and brain uh, recharging. So it's a little bit more nuanced than um, just getting rid of all the stress and everybody being as calm as possible all the time. Can you speak a little bit about um, people's allostatic load, if I'm saying that correctly, and how it might be a lot heavier now during the pandemic than normal? Yes, sure. So allostatic load is a term that ties very uh, close to the stress biology that we have that I'm talking about. And uh, it is based on the idea that we function 
the stress response through our physiology, through the heart rate um, activation, through our blood pressure, through various other chemicals and um, proteins in our body, are really set up to function within a set point, within a range. And what happens is that uh, while we are set up to be in that range, we, it can go out of range slowly over time. For example, with aging, our blood pressures naturally go up, tend to go up. Um, and that is really the idea that um, this load of living and taking care of, of the stressors of one's life and the aging process of losing some cells and, and uh, it leads to adaptation. We are adapting every day from the day we are born. And that adaptation is what is called allostatic load. So, so we are, our bodies adapt to a new set point or to a different level um, as we go through. So allostatic load in and of itself is not bad uh, because it, it really um, hi- highlights the uh, adaptive quality of all of our biological systems. But embodied within that is the notion that it will also um, be an indicator of the stressors and traumas and, and uncontrollable life events that, that have gone on and um, push, push these um, physiological um, functions uh, out of, you know, into, into ranges that, that could be detrimental to us. And that I feel like is happening right now, right, where people are dealing with this uncertainty and uncertainty is such a trigger for anxiety which increases your stress. And so even though someone's day-to-day might just be getting up, getting breakfast, doing some work, going to sleep, their allostatic load is much higher, and so they feel so exhausted. Exactly. I think you said it very, uh, very well. In fact, you know, I like to think of it as um, a system that, that needs to sometimes shut down to recuperate and to rejuvenate. And uh, we do that through sleep. We also do that through some calming events and relaxation. And if you think about it, even though we are at home, exactly as you said, we are still worrying and, and afraid perhaps or anxious about what's going on in the world or when are we going to go back to things. And so if you think of a machine, it's like the machine is always on. Even though we try to calm ourselves, it's always on. And so the, the motor keeps going and it might need to rev up and slowly start to rev up um, just to take that load, uh, allostatic load um, metaphor a little bit uh, further. And it just stays revved up and goes, it gets more and more revved up over time. So even our basal state, uh, what we call tonic state, is much higher than sort of our relaxed baseline in, in non-COVID uh, time period. So people shouldn't feel like it's weird that even though they're not necessarily doing that much or being that active, their body feels exhausted because that stress is wearing them out. That's exactly right. There is, there is that, um, that uh, additional layer of, of uh, being turned on, being vigilant, being um, attentive to what, uh, what is going on around us, um, you know, seeking out information, maybe even being overwhelmed by information. And so that's why one of the things that, that you will find um, uh, mental health experts and all of us talking about is to actually curb the amount of information that you uh, take in or you seek out. Maybe define specific time periods during the day that you would go uh, into your favorite sites and, and look up the information on COVID, the updated information, and then shut it off. And then go about your day, build in time to actually do some, um, some stress-busting um, things, whether it's exercise or yoga, mindfulness. Accepting that we are, in fact, in this stressful period will help calm down um, the stress response. So there, there is hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, you know, even if our stress levels are kind of through the roof right now, like you said before, once this is over or once we form healthier habits, we can get our bodies back on track to not overreacting as much. That's exactly right. And, you know, we've talked a lot about stress biology. We have in our brains a, a actual specific pathway. This is one of the uh, findings and research um, findings that we've had that is very cool, um, is that we have a separate specific uh, resilient coping pathway in the brain that we've identified, which has to do with our behavioral uh, choices 
And so that is, that is uh, related to learning. It's related to positive activities. It's related to how, how we can get ourselves out of jams. And so that, if we can help preserve that, um, that's going to be our, our sort of uh, currency, money in the bank, so to speak. That that, that system will gear in, you know, go into high gear as soon as the stress starts to dissipate and um, will help us sort of uh, go back to normal, help us sort of come back in a rejuvenated, more positive way. Um, now, obviously, there, you know, that system also takes a big hit based on people's vulnerabilities and, and those who have, uh, have uh, other kinds of comorbidities. But nonetheless, in a healthy individual, this system is very alive and well, and that, that is our good uh, currency in thinking about stress busting. Before we move on to the game show portion of this, <laughs> I remember when I was learning about stress and the effects it has on the body, I got to this point of like being stressed about being stressed, you know, because you know, you know that it's so bad for you that you're then worried about being stressed. So how do you help combat that? That's a great question. Um, you know, this is why I like to talk about the positive aspects of stress. Uh, I think we, mm-hmm. we tend to think about, uh, you know, it's all bad and just get rid of all the stress and de-stress and be all calm and everything will go away. And that's actually not true. We'll be bored. Uh, we'll, we'll start to think about other things to do that may not be as healthy for us. Um, and so I think we have to just let stress be, in, and I like to say embrace it, actually, because um, the stress, when it comes on, it is telling you something. Even when your hair is falling out or your stomach is cramping or you find tension in your body, it's telling us something. Those are the signs and symptoms of stress that, that the body is giving to us and, and really is behooves us to pay attention to that and say, oh, I need to do something about this. There is, uh, this is my indicator that it's, it's beyond the day-to-day stress. I need to do something and, and come back to a different baseline. Yeah, and then once you do the thing, you then have to let the stress go. <laughs> I think exactly. that's the problem is a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. We, we still feel it even when we've accomplished the goal. That's true. That's true. Well, Gabby, hopefully your hair will fall out less after this conversation. You know, I really hope so. But I have a lot of hair, so I feel okay about it. But I do I do like the idea, like, it, it's the reason why uh, you feel pain. Because, you know, take your hand off the stove. It's similar. Exactly. Like, if you're feeling stress, it's telling you something. Absolutely. That's exactly, that's a very good point you make about the pain. Right from when we're born, we have these systems in place to tell us something is not okay. If you take Mm -hmm. a bite into something that looked weird and it just tasted bad, you're going to spit it out immediately before you Mm -hmm. think about, hey, what was that? Or maybe it was supposed to be good for me. All those come later. You've already spit it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, keeps you safe. Stress response keeps you safe. Although I am curious, like, if you think after the pandemic, if there will be uh, an increase in PTSD, if people will have post-traumatic stress disorder just from um, such a global, like, crisis. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think people who are vulnerable, uh, you know, may may face uh, some of those symptoms coming back, some of those trauma-related symptoms coming back. Uh, if you're facing um, the stress of COVID very acutely, for example, if you're one of the healthcare professional uh, workers who are going into the hospital every day in an ICU unit, seeing people dying or having to make decisions about ventilators and all of that, those are very traumatic events. So there's a lot of variation right now in what people are being exposed to, what aspect of the coronavirus um, related stress and anxiety. And so th- th- it's absolutely possible. In fact, after any kind of pandemics or disasters, there's uh, an increase in mental health symptoms. Um, and so we, we are all uh, preparing for that and certainly talking about it so that people can take precautions and start to do the things that are helpful for them. Well, thank you for doing all of this work. I know it is so important and helpful to so many people. Um, just like my game hypothetical. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, I love that there is a stress center and I think, um, I think people should know and take, and take it seriously and not feel like, oh, I'm just stressed. Like really it has a neurological and a a physical, um, effect on you. So thank you for your work. 
And now would you like to play a game show? <laughs> okay, I was very curious about this game show. So Hypotheticals is a game show where you and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask as many questions as you want. And then you would tell me what you would do in those hypothetical situations. And then I just decide whether or not I like your answer completely <laughs> arbitrarily. Oh, okay. <laughs> so don't, this is very low stakes. There's no reason to feel stressed. <laughs> I'm already a little stressed. <laughs> <laughs> That's just your excitement to play. Oh, my okay. God. So our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? You find out that whenever your partner of seven years gets super stressed, they go to a bar and make out with a stranger. <laughs> Apparently, it's the only thing that eases their anxiety, and they have been doing it since way before they met you. The makeout only lasts 10 minutes tops. Would you stay with this cheater? Is that how you guys met? No. <laughs> uh. Okay. And I'm supposed to ask questions. Ask Gabby questions about it? No, you can ask. Well, you can, I don't know. You can ask Allison questions about it. I have no idea. I'm also a contestant. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So um, my first question is, how often does this happen? Great question. Well, they're a heart surgeon, so about once a week. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. And it's and and has have you noticed it before, or is it now seven years later and you're just figuring this out? You just you just found out. Why didn't they tell you? They were embarrassed. I'm gonna say I have to go. I have to go. They're a heart surgeon. I don't care. They were lying to me, and I have to go. Also, now in this pandemic, they probably bring in coronavirus to the house, so I don't (laughs) want it. Doctor Sinha, your thoughts? Well, I, I would I would start to talk to the person about it, about what's going on, and what, where, what, how come this has gone on for so long. I'd give them a chance to talk about it. Um, it sounds like it's a habit, and it's a trap for the person to feel like this is the only way they can relieve their uh, stress. Um, because in fact, we have a very robust system of, of thinking about options. And so how much does this relationship with me matter to this person? Um, if, if that's the way they want to do it, then yes, I would, I would leave too. But I would give them a chance to think about it and to start to um, make some changes or if they are willing and interested in, in uh, engaging in, in a different way of tackling their stress and, um, and then also respecting respecting me as a person so that um, beginning to understand what what when you do something like that, how it hurts your partner, how it hurts the other person. That is a great answer. The correct answer is that you come up with an agreement that every time they get stressed, you put a wig on and pretend <laughs> to be a stranger in a bar. <laughs> I love that. I love oh that. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's called compromise, everybody. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> okay, our next game is called Are You a Terrible Parent? Your 10-year-old child has horrible temper tantrums. You decide that whenever they have a temper tantrum, you will act as though they have become invisible and you can't find them anywhere. You pretend that you start to freak out and cry, looking everywhere for them. You can only see them again when they stop having a temper tantrum. This gets them to stop throwing temper tantrums, but it also leads them to stop speaking for three months out of fear that they will turn invisible. Are you a terrible parent? No, I don't think you're a terrible parent. But uh, I didn't catch the last one. Did they get to do what? They stop speaking? Yeah, they don't speak for three months because they're worried if they speak, then they'll become invisible. Ah, okay. Interesting. But they still have a lot of fun during those three months when they're not Do talking. they? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the nice peace and quiet for the parents that the 10-year-old is not speaking? <laughs> I, I mean... I'd take that any day. <laughs> well, we found out who's a mom, didn't we? <laughs> I love how reasonable your first answer was and how the second question, you're like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, I thought actually that your um, initial solution that you gave of the parent was was really good, that they made it into a game and 
a person being invisible is uh, such a great uh, way to handle. It's a very behavioral way to handle the the situation, and um, it's, it's cool. Thank you. I'm going to tell my sister about oh it. Maybe God. it'll help her out. Oh my God, <laughs> she's, she's stuck with two kids right now. <laughs> wow. Right, a tough time for parents. You know that that I is, know that is a very very good point about about letting your sister and really other parents know too, because my heart goes out to them. It's very challenging. Maybe I just solved it though for everybody. Well, then I'm go. glad it's on this podcast <laughs> so people will hear it and know. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, our final game. Would you lie or tell the truth? You find out through a premonition that there will never be a successful vaccine for COVID-19. You know that sharing this information will cause mass chaos. Unfortunately for you, a local news station is asking random people when they think a vaccine will happen. They decide to interview you. Would you lie or tell the truth? Explain premonition to me. You're a psychic. I, but did I ask to know that? Like I, as a psych, it's just like, I find it's just like, that's so Raven. You had a dream about it, but you know, you're a psychic. So, you know, that's a premonition. Wow. I don't know. I would talk to a scientist. I mean, has a scientist right? confirmed that there's no, there's never going to be a vaccine. I don't, I don't know. I'm, it would be hard to just go by a premonition. Right. Excellent. But you have, you have had premonitions your entire life and they've always been correct. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, well, Dr. Sinho, what would you do? Well, I would tell the truth and I would say that we don't we're not near a, a vaccine right now. It's not in the near future, but there are other treatments. Vaccine is not the only solution. There are other treatments. We have a new treatment coming out uh, that is getting approved now um, experimentally, and there may be ways to treat it. I mean, right now, when you get, uh, you know, uh, certain types of infections, you take you take medicines for them. Um, so they hopefully would be a medicine that in fact people are working on to treat it. Well, that's why she's a doctor and I'm also a doctor. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about your work in the center? On our website, yalestresscenter.org um, has a lot of our papers, our findings, the things we're doing during COVID, other kinds of resources are available there as well. Really, just Googling Yale Stress will get you there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about loneliness, just to stress you out. Just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X X baby, baby. Sometimes we go high, sometimes we go low on the baby. You'll never know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this week I thought let's discuss loneliness because I think um, for a lot of people it's more relevant than ever, and mm-hmm. sort of how. I just kind of like want to do one of our friendly reminders that it, this feeling that you might be having will not last forever. I think people who originally felt lonely, either they feel like it's exacerbated or they feel like this is my time, like <laughs> my time to shine. Uh, and then for people that are more extroverted or um, more social, this is like a blow. Like Mm -hmm. they're really struggling because they're so used to having people around. And if they live alone, uh, I can see how that would be like really hard to just all of a sudden be alone with your thoughts, which I get it. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts ever. That's why you got to listen to a podcast so you don't have to. How are you (laughs) dealing with living alone? Well, I have a beautiful dog Mm -hmm. uh, who I've just put all of my human traits on. And uh, I've already had a very codependent relationship with, but it's really gone too far. Uh, And in what way? I just talked to him out loud. And like he's I mean, he always slept in the bed with me. But like it's like I I talk like I'm like, how are we doing, honey? Are we doing okay? What's going on? Like full conversations. Um, You're you always do that with sugar. I've been doing that for years. I don't see the problem. That's true. That's true. Uh, And 
Yeah, um, I've gotten weirdly like closer to my neighbors via email. Like we're oh. all on an email chain now. And like one of them left me a chocolate cake, which was very nice. Um, so like I've been we're sharing, you know, like our the house next door is throwing parties and we hate them. And so like we've all come together to hate the house next door. It's really been a lovely bonding experience for me and my neighbors via email. Uh, well, I think that's. I think that speaks to a good point that like you might find some comfort and support from people you might not expect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like maybe suddenly like your Twitter friends are playing a bigger role in your social network or mm-hmm. you end up calling your mom more than you normally do. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're feeling really lonely right now, it can be good to break out of your normal patterns mm-hmm. and realize that you you're going to have to do things a little differently. (laughs) Yeah. People are, you know, playing games on zoom. People are doing animal crossing. Um, I've gotten a lot of people together because I'm doing these queer live reads and, um, it's been fun because like friends of mine who don't know each other, like now are working together. Uh, and they're like getting to know each other and becoming friends. And like, if this hadn't happened, uh, I don't know that I would have ever, felt comfortable because I always kind of feel like I'm bothering people. So I don't know if I would have felt comfortable like reaching out and like connecting all these people and having all these people like come together on something. Uh, But now I'm like, well, I'm not bothering anyone. It's weird because I'm a very solitary person and I do always feel that I'm bothering people. And now in my mind that everyone's solitary, I'm like, well, how much could I be bothering you? (laughs) So it's actually been uh, nice for me in terms of like feeling as though I can talk to people more often. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point that like you're not no one is too busy to hear from you right now. (laughs) Yeah, which I guess I kind of always assume. uh, And like it is it sucks. It sucks that I'm not with my partner. It sucks that um, I'm just kind of like by myself every day. I did prepare for this by spending every day alone in high school but um (laughs) but uh it's it's bad because loneliness makes you fall back on sort of bad habits too Mm -hmm. like it's definitely um staring at screens all the time which I did in high school or um not eating right or like it's definitely opened doors for like oh, well, no one's here to check me. So like Cheyenne, my sister's isolated too, but so she'll come over sometimes because she's not doing anything and are not going out. And she came over and she was like, your laundry is everywhere. Your dishes are everywhere. Like you're a mess. And I was like, yeah, no one's here to check that and no one's gonna check that. <laughs> so, but she's right. Like it may, it, it highlights the loneliness so I was like, okay, just do 10 dishes at a time. Okay, just do 10 pieces of laundry at a time. And like, I think taking care of yourself still is important. I'm going to do my makeup after this. Why? No reason. <laughs> I think that um, if you're in a position to foster an animal, mm-hmm. that can be huge. Like if you're not living with roommates or family or significant other, um, Yes, they're not human, but I think like touching them and petting them and and snuggling them kind of has a lot of the same effects as like physical touch with a human. Get a gerbil. Like honestly, like I think bringing any sort of life into your home could be super beneficial. And also they need you just as much as you need them. If I didn't have beans, I would be losing it. I would be out of my mind if I didn't have him. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine going through this without a pet. So that's my big recommendation to battle loneliness, uh, both in a pandemic and out of a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, and it's also he has to go outside. So it gives me Mm -hmm. like I have to take him out and I have to like um, make sure that he's in the sunshine. So then I have to be in the sunshine, which is helpful for for, like helps my mood and stuff. So also like um, playing games, like playing Jackbox games with friends on a on over the computer i've Mm -hmm. never been more of a gamer in my life (laughs) i downloaded steam i downloaded origin these are like ways that you can game on your computer i have never been interested in video games more than i am now but i i also think that good content can battle loneliness in a lot of ways like Mm -hmm. if you're reading a really good book like you get immersed in that book you're one of those characters you're living in that world like you Mm -hmm. don't necessarily feel like oh i'm alone in my apartment in the same way but you know, um, I saw you're a Gemini and I'm a Gemini, and I saw a meme that was like, 
uh, different signs and who they're quarantine married to. And it was like quarantine married to. And it said Gemini, the fictional character of whatever book or TV show they're watching or reading. <laughs> and then you just said that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so true. But I, I think if, I, I love like whenever I lose track of where I am. Like mm-hmm. if I can watch something or read something or listen to something and it like takes me out of my present moment, mm-hmm. that's like a vacation. <laughs> oh, I'm so I know probably maybe people do this with us, but like there's a podcast I listen to called You're Wrong About. And I like fully in my mind. I'm like, I'm friends with Mike and Sarah, like my brain. Like I'm like, <laughs> they'll like talk on the show and I'll be like, oh, great point, Mike. <laughs> Like it's deranged. And, and uh, honestly, if you do that with us, we we are your friends. Yeah, we hey, love what's it. up? Sup, Hang dude? out. <laughs> Whoever you are, you're a part of this. Love ya. Love ya. <laughs> no, but I, you know, I think that loneliness is always really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but like literally living alone is going to just exacerbate that. So mm-hmm. instead of like giving into those feelings, I think it's sort of important to do what you can to combat them whether it be getting that pet or calling people more, playing those Zoom games or reading your favorite book. Um, And just remember that now you really appreciate other people. Yeah. And don't let go of that appreciation when this is over. I'm like FaceTiming my parents. Like, what are you guys up to? And then they say something insane and I'm like, cool. But you know what? I'm I'm like, good for, I'm glad. I'm like, yeah, tell me some crazy stuff. Love to hear it. My dad has signed up for a stand-up class online. Oh, no. Doing over Zoom. And so for the last three days, he's done his set for me and I give him notes and it's my favorite part of the day. Wow. Is is he any good? Yeah, he's great. Hey. It's super fun. Like I never, I like literally never thought that my dad would just like be performing stand-up to me over Zoom. (laughs) It's perfect. Actually, it's FaceTime. I don't want to lie. Wow, 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 wow. That's really amazing. Yeah, I'm just like, like, you know, my mom's got an Android, so they two of them need to FaceTime me from my dad's phone. So they're just like on the couch, like, what are you up to? And I'm like, I don't know, what are you guys up to? And they're like, truly nothing. (laughs) You know, and it's I always like to ask them questions because inevitably it will be nuts. Did you see the thing I posted? I asked my mom, what names would you have named me if I if you didn't do Gabrielle? And she sent me like her actual 1987 list of names that she would have named me. Oh, and wow. Wh- did you see Did you see my post about this? No. Allison, one of the names was Houston. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, what? And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I just like thought it was cute, right? And I'm like, see, if I hadn't just quarantinely been like, let me ask you a question and see what you say. I would have never seen this piece of paper. Where not only that, but one of the other name choices was Juliana, spelled J-U-L-I-E-A-N-A. What? Sounds good to me. So I think, you know, hop on Zoom with your parents and just ask them some questions. Uh, and because you're going to get you're going to have all the time in the world to get answers that you're like, yes, this is nuts. <laughs> and if you don't have parents or aren't able to do that. Hop on, hop on with a random person you met 10 years ago and wanted to know more about. Or just fr- do 20 questions with your friends. There, you can always get to know your friends better. That's very true. What would you do if I was named Houston? Probably <laughs> nothing different. I don't know. <laughs> would I go by Houston? I have so many questions. Tamika, come on in and share your thoughts. What Hello. Else? Hey. Hello. You moved here from Houston, right? Yep, I did. And you know, I don't think it's a bad name. I've never met someone with the first name Houston, but it's not bad. Could be worse. Um, so how, what do you, you live alone, right? Yeah. So since the quarantine, I think in the beginning, I was binging TV a lot more. I was watching movies. Very fun. But it felt like the days were kind of blurring together. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've been really into just long conversations and like going on walks, reading more books. And I guess I needed to feel more present Mm -hmm. to like feel less alone in some sort of weird way. But it's been working. Yeah. I mean, you can only do so much when you live alone, you have to be lonely sometimes, but it's definitely better than it was. 
I think everyone is lonely sometimes. I think you can be lonely in a room full of people. It's Whoa. it's just about uh, it's just about the percentage. Yeah. What did we think of the episode overall? I mean, I thought she was so smart and this was so cool. I love whenever we have like science people on, scientists or people who work in research because I feel like there's so much um, more to these things that we view as like everyday, uh, oh, this is just stress. This is like a, a very ubiquitous thing. And then we see that there's like so much more to it and so much um, that we can learn about the brain and learn about the way that like trauma affects people. And I just think it's so relevant right now because I feel like there's going to be so much of that to study after this is all over. I'm very interested in any studies that come out of the pandemic, like in terms of what people's, what it does to people's stress levels permanently. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I loved learning that you can recalibrate your body to not overreact to stress, even if that's what your body initially does. That mm -hmm. was like so wonderful to hear. Mm -hmm. I love Dr. Sinha during hypotheticals. It was <laughs> great. I was laughing so hard. It was pretty great. It's always like the most serious interviews become this zaniest hypotheticals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, what do we rate the episode overall? I give it um, um, seven out of seven. No ghosting. Stop ghosting. Ooh, very good. But in this situation, stop ghosting. I don't want to judge all ghosts, but I think in this situation, stop ghosting. What do you mean you don't want to judge all ghosts? Like sometimes people need to ghost and I don't want to oh. say in what situations. And also I don't want to judge any ghosts that are haunting my apartment. I don't want to <laughs> yeah, judge like, any. Is that what you meant? Yep. 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 Uh, I'll, I will uh, rate it uh, uh, four out of three stress centers. Ooh, the stress center and the stress center, which is the brain. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about it. Stress center and then stress center. The stress center studies your stress center. I'm a genius. You really are. <laughs> I rate it um, five out of five Zoom conversations with your parents. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly FaceTime, to be honest. But yeah. My dad did organize a Zoom uh, for our family with Jocelyn and Joe. Aw. And, and the kiddos? Uh, everyone other than me and Jake was on their own device. That's weird. Isn't that weird? Gus be in the same room with each other. Nope. Wow. My, my parents well, only went in the same room because my mom's computer wasn't working. <laughs> well, you know how now we see how quarantine is affecting these relationships. Everyone, take it day by day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Dr. Sinha for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Stay just the tiniest bit stressed, but not more than that. Yeah, just what you need to stay safe. <laughs> yeah, just a tiny, tiny bit of stress. Stitcher.